This is Confessions of an Actress podcast, and I'm your host, Meredith Patterson. For the past two decades, I have worked as an actress in the entertainment industry on Broadway and TV and film. This podcast is my insight, observations, and in-depth interviews with my friends and colleagues about what life is really like in show business. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 81 of Confessions of an Actress podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Patterson. And today, you guys, I have my mentor, my childhood teacher, the amazingly talented, wonderful woman, Lois Grandy. You guys, I am so excited. I cannot wait for you guys to get to know her. She's really the person. She's the person who shaped me as a performer. And as she tells you, she's the one who shaped my arms as a dancer and gave me the most amazing technique as not only a dancer, but as an actress. And she was the person I looked up to. I remember when I met her, and I say this in the interview, you know, I finally met somebody who got it, who had that passion like I do. And she is and was everything to me as a child. And still to this day, she inspires me. I just, I'm, I'm gushing already. And I gushed to her in the episode, which is absolutely warranted. And I just can't wait for you guys to get to know her and to meet her. Lois is a member of Actors' Equity, SAG-AFTRA, AGVA, ACTRA. She is, you know, hailed by critics as one of the most highly respected directors in the Bay Area. And she has over 75 productions that she's directed in theaters throughout the country, um, not only with her own company, Playhouse West, but we talk about Performing Arts Academy, which was the academy that she opened in 1984, which is where I met her. And as a performer, oh my gosh, she has done um, she's done roles on Broadway, off Broadway, national tours, TV commercials, cabaret in San Francisco Club. She has won, you know, a Critics Circle Award for the Bay Area and six directing and choreographing Bay Area Critics Circle Awards. I, I could go on and on, and and we do in the episode. But you know, not only that, but she is a wonderful mother and grandmother. And just, and like I said, an inspiration as a person for me. So I really just am going to let let her take it away and get to this interview. And thank you so much, Lois, for just being the person that you are. I say it in this episode, but I have to say it again. Thank you. Without further ado, this is my mentor, my teacher, the amazing Lois Grandy. Oh my goodness. Okay. Hi. Hi, Lois. Welcome to my podcast. It's so, oh my God. It's just been, I, you have been one of the people that I've been wanting to have on here since day one. Oh, well, I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> so we have, oh my gosh, so much ground to cover because I've known you since I was eight years old. I know. I know. And what's that really strange. One or two my, years ago. <laughs> I know. And what's, what's so strange is now Maxwell, my oldest, is eight years old. So it's just, ooh, there's a lot of layers to yeah. this conversation. God, Max is eight? Oh, my gosh. He's eight years old. And I, oh, my gosh. So, hi. Uh, hi. <laughs> I'm the same old person. <laughs> you're a little different, but I feel like the same person as you when you're eight years old. You were one of those people who I've known since I was eight. And it's like you just kind of stay in this... um this Dorian Gray place. <laughs> I'm just, well, I'm just very, very stubborn. <laughs> being ageless and, and, you know, that's inside and out. Like your spirit has just, um, 
you know, you, you are just such a part of my life. So I'm so excited that you're here. Oh, I have you. so much to talk to you about and okay. welcome. You know, thank you are you. the person who really started me in theater. You're the person who shaped me, shaped my arms as a dancer. <laughs> um, but well, I, I think, start I, think I can, I can take credit for the arms, but I, I don't, th- I don't know about, um, being the one who inspired you to go into theater. I think you did that. I mean, you I, had I, you had I the did. drive, you had the ambition, you had the situativeness and eventually the discipline <laughs> to but do thank it. Thank God I found you as an 8-year-old child because I remember my mother searching for somebody who had that spirit that I did and I remember meeting you and just thinking, "Oh my god, this is the woman. She is she has that same drive and love for dance that I do and acting and singing and all of it. So I want to start with you. And where did that come from, Lois? Where did, in growing up, where did you get this love of dance? Okay, well, I can answer that. (laughs) When I was four years old, um, my sister was seven and she was enrolled in dance class. And um, I had, I was four, I didn't know anything, but my mother would take me with her to pick her up at dance class. Um, and uh, I was over on the side waiting with her and I started doing all the stuff they were doing and I was doing splits and everything. You know? <laughs> and, and I was you know, annoying the heck out of everybody. And finally the teacher came over and said, Mrs. Grandinetti, that was my name. Why don't you just let her start? So I was four or about four and a half and she let me start and I was, um, and it was like so much work and everything, but I gradually (laughs) fell in love with it. And I think my sister was um, an influence in terms of my love for the dance because she was told, she collected pictures of all the ballerinas. And I mean, she was really into it. And I kind of tagged along with her until my, the, the love just filled me up too. And by the time I was, um, <clears throat> 10 or 12, um, I was already fairly accomplished. I had been dancing on points since like nine or 10. And um, <clears throat> I remember I did my first um, ballet with the Philadelphia Orchestra at the Academy of Music at the age of 12. Oh and, my God. and that was just phenomenal. I mean, it's, the Academy of Music, it, it's designed after La Scala in Milan. So um, you get the idea of <laughs> the, the um, splendor of that facility. And I thought, oh, this is what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. This is, I'm, I'm here, you know. It just, you know, it's funny. I didn't really realize that you and I have a very similar way of getting into dance. I was brought into the studio from the time I was a kid watching my sister. And oh, just really? My- I didn't know that. And it's so funny, my, my, uh, you know, we've known each other so long, but we've never had this conversation. But it was, it was literally my, the the head of the studio and my mother saying, please let this child dance. She's driving us crazy. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So you and I have that in common. Yeah. We have a lot in common, yeah, actually, which is, do. you know, but the, it, and it is something that I find in a lot of artists and dancers is that spirit just, you find it, it's ignited by maybe a sibling or or mm-hmm. anything, yeah, and, and you and, just go with it. I'm sure I have a feeling this is the same for you too. It's like you made up your mind. I mean, I made up my mind long before I was 12, 12 when I was nine or 10, that I was going to be a dancer. That's it. And I never yeah. wavered from that. It's like you go into 
junior high and high school, and they put all these career choices up on the board, <laughs> and the, mine was never up there. You know, <laughs> I mean, accountant and all the things you might want to be. And yeah, so, you're a gypsy. You're it, it's something that you have to find your tribe and your people, but you found it young. I did. You know. That that that's so interesting because I mean, even, even with my kids, you know, they not so much with Lori, but with Paul, I mean, he wasn't sure what he wanted to be and, you know, started out with political science in college and then eventually became a lawyer. But I mean, it's like, I never had a choice. I, I never had a choice. I mean, yeah. there was nothing else that I wanted to do. And even yeah. though I had, a, when I first went to New York at 17, I did do a lot of odd jobs like you did too. Yeah. <laughs> you ch- have to. check girl. <laughs> but, um, Fortunately, I, after a couple of years, I was able to get enough work to keep me eating through those years in New York. So. I mean, you had, you had the, the luck of not only, you know, cause I was talking about this with a friend. It's not just the spark of the love of dance, but having the discipline and the skill to do it. And I really feel like you had that triage going, like, you know, going straight at four years old and being able to then dance professionally at 12 it it is it is something when i met you that i was like i i identified myself in you because i had that same drive mm-hmm. and you really shaped that with me and mm-hmm. and had the incredible you know, it, discipline it, with me it's funny because i i did when when i first met you at 8 or whatever it was um i didn't realize the drive that you had. I just <laughs> thought you were just another kid in my class who needed yeah. a lot of work on her arms <laughs> a lot of work on my arms. And Anybody who sees any any picture of me, my arms are because of you, Lois. And and more than that, gorgeous, though. Gorgeous, Meredith. I mean, <laughs> they they're just the most beautiful arms, and you're so long and slender. And I mean, I look at that, I said, "Oh my god!" You know, you did that, but you know, but, but your arms are one of the most well. Your feet, you know, everything's gorgeous. But I mean, you at least I do. I really notice them, and thank you for that. I'm glad to. Take and a you crap. taught me, you know, Lois, in 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 your in your ballet training because I I started with you with ballet. I started with tap before that. I was at the Rita, Rita Barker School of Dance, but then I moved to you when I was eight, and I remember you. <laughs> that's really where I felt that my professional training began, mm-hmm. and you know, you having all the all the discipline of ballet. Were you were you also, which I believe you were trained in Chiquetti technique as yeah. well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Cause that's what you taught me. And I teach, that's what I teach. Yeah. And it is such a disciplined and specific it technique, is. which I also see in your, your expression with your hands and your arms and the way that you lift your, 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 your chest to the light and all of these things that I, I really do take from you and from your training and your professional experience as a dancer. So being 12 years old and being with, you know, the Philadelphia Orchestra or was the, it was orchestra. the opera? No, the Philadelphia Orchestra. Philadelphia Orchestra. How did that happen? I mean, was your mom just sort of like, were you pulling her along as I was with my mother? You know, is um, that something that... Yes. Uh, my My parents were totally against my having a career in any kind of theater. But my oh. mother had a lust for dance. She always wanted to be a dancer and study ballet. And um, it, it came about her father, I mean, only prostitutes go on the stage. So she was denied any any kind of training at all. And she always said, if I have girls, 
they're going to study ballet. And that's how it started. But they were not thrilled about the, the intensity that, that came about. Although by the time I got to high school, my dad did build me a bar in my basement with, with, with a cement floor, but he put mirrors up in a bar for me. And I went down to the basement every night after dinner and worked from six until 11 o'clock almost every single night at, you know, just working on technique and things like that, you know. Yeah. But back to Chiquetti, uh, when I was 12 and went to the Philadelphia Orchestra, worked with and danced with the Philadelphia Orchestra, I had not yet studied Chiquetti. I had studied in this school where you know, the guy said starter at four years old. So from the time I was four until about 12 at this, it was Thomas Cannon School of Ballet in Philadelphia. And he was very good. I mean, he was more like a Russian training, generic, generic kind of thing, yeah. you know. So, but when I was, I think I was 13, actually, when I first got accepted into um, Anthony Tudor's class, who was my god and my you know, he he just he was the um, choreographer emeritus with the American Ballet Theater, and his ballets are like you know I don't you know who he is, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So I mean, they're they're just legendary, and they are still in repertoire of many companies. And so what happened was I was so blessed because Anthony Tudor, this great guru, and I mean, we kissed the ground he walked on. He came down <laughs> to Philadelphia from New York. York two or three times every week because he wanted to form, somehow they got him to agree to this, he wanted to form a company in Philadelphia so that he could experiment with different works and things like that on us. Oh, wow. And so he was, uh, I think he was sort of finished with ballet theater, but he, he, st he, he was guest choreographing all over, but he taught at the Metropolitan Opera Ballet in New York, and he came down to us three times a week. So I remember on Sundays, we had a, um, a intermediate class followed by an advanced class followed by a pas de deux class. So it was like three classes in a row, although I wasn't invited to the advanced class immediately. But um, anyway, I'll never forget that first day. I was probably 13. And this oh, wow. fellow, Richard Wagner, was standing in front of me. I mean, we became very, very close and became partners and, and everything. We went a long time together. But anyway, he was 16. I was 13. And I was standing behind him at the bar. And we were kind of joking around. And he was so intense. I mean, he, the tutor came and said, I'm going to put chewing gum on your head. You're just gripping the bar so tightly. <laughs> but anyway, when when I started with Tudor, that was my introduction to this British style and also an introduction to the sort of Chiquetti. But then when I went to New York when I was 17 and I had a combination of Tudor and Margaret Krask and Alfredo Corvino, who also had come to Philadelphia many times, Margaret Krask was, I mean, she studied with Enrico Chiquetti. I mean, she, oh she was, God. yeah, wow. she was his protege. So, I mean, it was like the horse's mouth. You know, and so I don't think I ever achieved what she expected in terms of the absolute purity of Chiquetti, which some of her students did did actually achieve. But <clears throat> that's where I learned all the port of bras and all the you know all the you know all the mechanic all the really technical ramifications of Chiquetti, which are very strict. But then once you get them, it just liberates you on stage to the point where Absolutely. You just feel like it is really just the foundation of everything yeah. I learned, mm -hmm. you know, and, and to think that all of that experience that you had from those teachers coming in from New York to Philadelphia, and then it, it, you know, whether or not you, your the one teacher thought that you were, you know, had the, had, had achieved what she wanted to me, 
in every picture I've ever seen of you, in every display of you showing me port bra it's been perfection. It's been oh, down gosh, to the, Mary. it's been down to the T. And I, all I wanted to do as a child was emulate that. And that prepared you for New York, for you to be able to oh, go to New York at 17. And when did you get uh, your first professional job was, which was the boyfriend at the Cherry Lane Theater. Yeah, I was at Broadway. Yeah, yeah. Well, what happened was, and you know this story very well, but um, I'll tell it to your listeners, that when <laughs> I went to New York, um, I mean, I was, I have to say, at a level where I was company material. I mean, I, I felt that, and my teachers felt that I, I could be accepted into ballet theater, which is my dream job, you know. Yes. So when I got there, um, everywhere I went, I found I was too short. I was just under four eleven, and in in in, in 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 and now I'm even shorter. <laughs> but um, but in in the companies, I mean, like the short girls, the little girls were like five one and a half, five two. So there's yeah. already that much of a difference, and it was like a tragedy. And um, because I would go to auditions, and, and when I went to Broadway show auditions just to get a job, I would be typed out, which means you stand on a line of ten people, they look at you, say you you, and you stay and dance and the rest of you go home so most of the time I never even got to dance at those auditions yeah so but anyway so one day uh, one magical day a tutor came up to me in class one morning and he said listen I want you to go to I'm going to arrange for a private audition for you with Lucia all right is this is this a boring story should I no I love all of this this is Okay, perfect. Okay. So uh, he said, I have arranged for, I will arrange for a private audition with Lucia Chase, who was the founder and head honcho, artistic director, everything uh, with the American Ballet Theater. And he said, I want you to go to Fernand Nault, who was the ballet master of the company. He said, tell him I'll pay him <laughs> to teach you this variation, uh, the pigtails variation from Graduation Ball, which is a ballet um, yeah. at, at graduation ball and there's a little soubrette a tiny little girl who does this cute little variation um, with her pigtail sticking out on the sides <laughs> and um, anyway he said they are not going to take you in the company unless you get in as a soloist and I said these are all th- that 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 variation it's all steps and things that you tricks that you do really well so go learn it and then um, and then we'll set up the audition time so I couldn't believe, I mean, I'm auditioning at 17 for Lucia Chase privately. Oh I mean, my God, that's I amazing. I know. But Anthony Tudor must have seen that spark in you and oh, well, knew he, that you needed that I, that. I was I was like a protege of his. I mean, yeah, absolutely. He, he really believed in me and I didn't have great feet. I never had great feet. I have terrible, I mean, not pretty feet, but, um, <laughs> but what I do have, I have, uh, I'm very strong and also um, I have a performing ability. I think that re- really, t- you know, carried me through everything. Right? Absolutely. You have and... a you have a a light within you that when you get on stage, this eyes go to you. Oh, well, and thank it's you. really it is really something that you can't teach. So, but anyway, so I get to Fernand Nault and I said, uh, "You just uh, tell tell Tudor how much it is, and he will pay." He goes, "How can I charge Tudor for God's sake?" <laughs> <laughs> He just taught, taught it to me, of course, and it was very difficult. And uh, and even though it was short, there's a lot of stamina. It ends up with like um, 16 Andre Chicots at the end after doing hop turns in second. I mean, it's like woo. So, oh my gosh! Yeah. So it was hard. So anyway, can you imagine how I felt at 17 walking into that audition? There were there were about six of them all sitting at a long table, and it was oh, just wow. me and the pianist. And um, I mean, I don't know how I ever pulled it off, but what it, an- 
Did you, this is a question that I've never actually asked you. You don't seem like someone who gets nervous. Oh, oh. <laughs> you just hide it well, Lois. Uh, Mary, I have never, ever walked on stage in my life without standing in the wing saying, what in the hell am I doing here? You know, wow. I've, I've, I've been, yeah. I mean, in later years, of course, when I was like singing at Mama's and I was on every night and just, I, say, I mean, it wasn't so bad, but, but there's always every single, every single time. Mean, so imagine the pressure of this, you know. Of this. Oh yeah. yeah. And you just have to breathe through it and, and, just, and you, yeah. you and it was, rehearsed it and rehearsed it. So you were ready. And, and like has happened to me a couple other times when I had almost an out-of-body experience on stage, um, it, 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 the nerves and everything um, kind of go away, but but it, it just, it makes the performance better somehow. I mean, technically, I did the, I did the thing better than I had ever done it before. Yeah. And it, I don't know why or how, but, you know, the body kind of takes over all of those years of discipline and training kind of take over you, and mm -hmm. it does it kind of almost like itself. So anyway, afterwards, she goes, oh, Lois, that's great. And Fernand taught you that, and Tudor, oh, great. You know, so, I mean, I thought I was in the company. And then two weeks later, um, Tudor comes to me and he says, um, I have to tell you, she has no intention of taking you in the company. He said, there are just not enough roles that you can do. They're on there. They're ready to go off on tour um, <clears throat> to uh, London or wherever. And it would be too expensive to take you just to do one or two things. So she said, no. Oh, gosh. So, I mean, you know, from a artistic director standpoint, I totally see her point. But from my standpoint, I was completely crushed. I had no money, no idea of what I was ever going to do. My parents said, if you come home to Philadelphia, we'll support you and you can go to college. If you stay in New York, we're not helping you. So I had oh, no wow. money. I mean, and I was kind of <laughs> limping around trying to figure out how to survive at 17. And yeah, um, with all of this talent and to have the one thing that is just you know, you can't control it. Mm -hmm. You can't control your height. You can't control whether you yeah. fit the, the mold of what they need. Yep. And, you know, it, it is, it is the, you know, I feel like it's a story of so many in this business, but yeah, it's you like, didn't let that stop you. You didn't go home. Yeah. You yeah. Well, went no, forward. I, I couldn't because I, this is my love. I mean, I, and I used to, I mean, honestly, I have to tell you, I would go into the subway and stand at the edge and look down and say, God, it would be so easy. You know, just, you know, and my, yeah. I wouldn't be a burden anymore to my, you know, whatever. So I think um, a lot of us have gone through something, but it was, it was difficult. I had to pull myself back away from the, from the ledge. And uh, as you can see, I didn't jump, <laughs> but um, <laughs> thank God for that. Thank God for that. But it is, it is, uh, you know, for those of us who've been in the business a long time and struggled and, and you want and, and need a job. It's why yes. a chorus line, which we, you and I did together, yeah. it is, it's why that resonates so much with so, with so many artists and so many dancers, especially, but you did get that job. You did get soon, you know, well, it, it, it probably it, at the time didn't seem soon, but soon yeah, it, it was, a, it was a little, it was a while after that, but I mean, I just kept going to class cause that's all, all I knew how to do. And, and, yeah. and Marcella, the, the woman, Marcella Corvino, who her daughters are now my dear friends, still my dear friends. Um, <clears throat> she was married to Alfredo Corvino, one of the teachers, and she ran the office at the Met. And she just said to, had said to me a long time ago, just don't pay anything until you get a job. So yeah. I was going, you know, three times a day to the Met. I lived at the Met. 
and um, and she was like a mother to me. She was, I mean, I was, <laughs> that's that's the only way I was able to survive, you know. Yeah, <clears throat> and thank God for those angels in New York. And it's it's yeah. you know it's a tough city, and and for people to to do something like that, like I was on scholarship at Steps, and I used to you know clean out the the bathrooms and mop the floors so I could get free dance class. And that's what we do. It's what, it's what we do because like you said, it's your love. You Mm -hmm. can't leave it. You can't leave. There's no choice. I mean, yeah. Yeah. For for me, there's no choice. So how did the boyfriend come along? How many, I'm sure it was years of auditions in class and and hoping and all of it. And like, um, before the boyfriend happened, um, um, there was one time Nora Kay and uh, Lupe Serrano and all these ballerinas were in my class, in the morning class at the Met. A lot of them used to come and take class with me. And Nora Kay, whom I just idolized. You know who Nora, do you know who Nora Kay was? I don't, I don't know okay. who she is. She was Tudor's um, um, muse. <laughs> okay. I mean, she did all the Tudor ballets, Pillar of Fire, Lilac Garden, all of them. She was the star of every single one. I mean, anyway, oh, so wow. she would take Tudor's class. She was in her, mm, I guess, 40s or so by then but they're so fabulous i mean they were all great lupe serrano doing her 19 pirouettes on point. oh my god <laughs> and so she comes over to me and she says this woman i have idolized forever lois will you please write down your name and address for me <laughs> she said oh my um my friend um i can't remember his name right now is a dance dance captain music man and they need a short girl so <laughs> So I wrote down my my name and phone number. So I go to this audition, and there's about five of us there. One of them was Eleanor Treber, who had just had a baby like eight weeks ago or something. And she was a very good friend of the dance captain, and she was about three inches taller than me. So anyway, we do the audition. I got the part, hands down. Oh, my so God. So he says, it's a matter of the costume. So Eleanor, you know, you go downstairs and with her. Well, they tried the costumes on and they would swam on me. <laughs> and with Music Man, all of those, um, you know, period costumes, they were, they, you, you can't just tuck them in here and there, you know, you have to yeah, remake exactly. the whole thing. When I did Oklahoma the first time, um, when I did the singing and dancing Lori, and I went to to the costume shop to try on the costume, they just made me, made me a whole new set of costumes because yeah. it was easier and cheaper then. Yeah. But anyway, so at Music Man, this Broadway show, they didn't have the budget for that. So Eleanor got the job and I wound up babysitting for her baby while she was at the theater. <laughs> I mean, oh. I was such a sad story. <laughs> oh no, you know it's I. I'm sure it's it's it is. A, there's so many thousands of stories like this where it's where it you know having done a Broadway show where the person who gets the role is because they fit the costume. Yeah. it's between one and one person and another. It happened in Forty Second Street. I remember it. Uh. The guy got the job. It wasn't that he wasn't talented. It's just that he fit the costumes and it cost less. That's which right, is and so the, trivial because there are other people that could do it just as well, and they didn't need a really fabulous dance for that it was, it was she was dancing in the chorus basically but it was yeah. a job and I needed it, a job yeah. you know you so anyway job. so after that uh, one day I was in class and not knowing what the hell I was going to do you know always with this stress of trying to trying to survive you know financially this little kid Tommy his name was so cute I still remember a little red hair he comes over and he said you know what I'm in a show down I'm in a musical downtown called The Boyfriend and um they someone is leaving and they need it. I bet they take you. So 
Amazing. I said, okay. So I get down on the subway. I find the Cherry Lane Theater, which is almost impossible in itself. <laughs> and, <laughs> yes. um, and so I walked on stage and it was a, pri- it was a private audition because uh, they, I guess he, Tommy said he recommended somebody and she was, he was going to say it. So I was working with the dance captain and it was like, oh my God, the Charleston, this is so easy. You know, I could, I mean, it was like, <laughs> so she threw this like, half hour of nonstop choreography at me and I, I got it right away. And she said, Oh my God, I've never seen anybody learn so fast, you know? And then, then she said, um, uh, they want to hear you sing and read. So, um, I had never sung a note in my entire life. So oh I certainly no training. I never sang. I hate, I hated singing. And so I blasted out <laughs> this some, <laughs> I forget what song I sang, but anyway, uh, they hired me and yeah, I got my equity card. Oh my God, Lois, that's, you know, it's, it's amazing. That's another similarity that you and I have, because I remember when I auditioned for Cinderella with you, when you were, this is, you know, when I was 13 and I'd never really sang in public and I just, I just did something acapella and I thought I'll just sing something for Mary Poppins and here you go. And, and it's one of those, it's one of those things where as a dancer, because I've always known you, you know, as a dancer and an actress, but I, I've heard you sing and I think you have a wonderful voice, oh, but it's, it's, no. it is something that we kind of tuck away, <laughs> right. As, as a, as a dancer, but to think that you, I mean, to just, you and I also have a similarity. My first professional job, I was taking dance with somebody who was in a show and they recommended me. So mm-hmm. people in your life, the, the, the ballerina and this, this, this other guy who was in the show see the the spark and they want to they want to be the person who goes oh my god this is the solution to the problem that my show is having having right now and it's that they see that spark in you they see the work that you did and they are giving you a chance and that is i just love that story so That's such much a sweet way to put it you know it's true because without those angels i would i, I don't know what would happen yeah, because you know it's it it is a city that's harsh. It's a oh. city where there's a lot of competition, but there's also a lot of people in the city who see and recognize talent, and that's what happened. That's what got you your first big professional job, which was the boyfriend, which I love so much. And how long were you in that show? Um, I was in and out for about uh, four months because they were closed. They closed at the end of that. And yeah. the, the other thing that happened to me was not so great because the girl that I was re- replaced, uh, Dulcie, she um, she had a deal with them where she could come. She was off doing things and wanted to come back to the show. So she'd go um. in and out. And every time she left, I would come in. And every and, you know, so it was kind of like it wasn't even a steady job. But <laughs> I was there most of the time for about four months, I would say. And then and then, then it closed. It was the second. It was the off-Broadway revival. In other words, Julie Andrews had done this show in New York. Well, you know about that. That was yeah. before. And then I joined uh, the off-Broadway revival in 19... Are you sitting? 59. <laughs> 1959. And it had opened in 1958, I believe. I believe off Broadway. Um, yes. And it, op- it opened yes. in 54 on Broadway right. with Julie. 58. Her- so the show had been running for a while. Yeah. And so I was in it in the last six months or so. But that's amazing that, you know, it, it is one of those moments that we all have in our career, hopefully, where we finally get that job, even though it sounds like it was, you know, still kind of teetering with the girl coming in and out. Mm. But it still was something that, you know, got you your first professional job. Yeah. And then 
I'm assuming led to your national tours that you did and all the other jobs that came after that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think that led to it for much. But but uh, what happened? Oh, the other thing, the the biggest thing in my career that happened to me was I was taking class with this phenomenal dancer who's also short. Um, he's, <laughs> he's five years older than me. His name is Kevin Carlisle, and he. A long story. Now he's become my best friend through my whole life. We went to Italy together, and I mean, we 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 became like partners, and yeah. and we did. It. But what happened was he came to me, um, and uh, he said he was choreographing a production of Carousel that summer with John Raitt and yes. Jan Clayton, who were the two originals from Carousel. And he actually, he wanted me to dance in a chorus because his friend was already Cassis Louise. So I went off to a, a Milwaukee. I was doing another show out there. And I said, you know, I don't think I, I don't want to dance in the chorus. So the producer calls me and says, no, you have to come. You're doing Louise. The other girl dropped out. And talk about fate. Oh, my God. I wow. mean, my doing Louise, that was a springboard for everything. It got me my agent. And um, <clears throat> I mean, meeting John Raitt, and he worked with me. He helped me. That is the kindest, nicest man in the world. Oh, my God. And, um, and of course, doing that, it was it's a wonderful role. It was perfect for me. And so, and then, and then I, because I danced with Kevin, and when we danced together, I mean, that was magic. It was it just felt that felt like your big break when that you, was you know, my big break, yeah. And I remember, um, yeah, years later, um, what was I gonna say about that? Oh, I just lost my train of thought, but but <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, we, we when we were first the first time I really realized that something special was going on was when we did our first run through, we were down in this basement in the, <laughs> some big rehearsal space in a basement somewhere, and I remember Penny Fuller played um Carrie in that in that in that production and and I looked up after the ballet ended there was like silence and then all of a sudden everybody burst into applause and I looked and she was crying I mean, it was mm-hmm. like, you know. it's when you know those moments and we've all had those moments yeah. or hopefully we've had those moments where we've been in rehearsals or we've been in the theater or we've been on stage and you feel and you like just it's, know. it's magic you just know yeah, exactly. Yeah, you just know, so, and that's that's so, why you that's why we do what we do. Yeah. So what that led to was that um, uh, a couple of years later, or the next year, or something very shortly after, John Fernley, who was the director of that production, they were all in the Rogers and Hammerstein circle. It was all the R and H office. Yeah. And my agent, as I said, he was the casting director then. But Eddie Blum, then he became he went to GAC and became my agent. But then uh, John Fernley called Kevin and said, Let, "Let's let's we're going to do a tab version of Oklahoma at the White House, and will you and Lois do the duet?" So then we got to dance at the White House together, and in the meantime, we obviously fit together as dancers so well yeah. um, that we did nightclub things. We did we did all kinds of appearances, and when we danced for. Margin. Oh, Mar- this is later. Many years later, several years later, a Gower Champion wanted to see um, a <clears throat> sample of Kevin's choreography because he wanted to, an assistant on the Happy Time, which was a show that didn't go anywhere. But anyway, um, so Kevin said, "Okay." So he asked me if we would do one of our duets for him. So we wow. had about four of them at the time. So we did. We went into the Forty Sixth Street Theater and did our did our love duet. And he comes running down the aisle and he says, oh my God, you take me back to when Marge and I were dancing. He said, but you're much better dancers than we ever were. Oh my God, that's amazing. So, and to be, to, but, but really, this is where I, 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 it always makes me think of 
the the the, the community of the community of Broadway is so small. Yes. And and it really um and and just because you're you're you know dancing in in wherever whatever theater that's that's surrounding the tri-state area People work in all capacities. People like John Raitt, who orig- may have originated the role on Broadway, and you got to do the same show with him. Yeah. And it feels like um, where I say, you know, Broadway is geography because it's not just about being. Yes, yes, Broadway is amazing, and being uh, in an actual Broadway house is is great. But it's you. You are still a part of the Broadway community, whether or not you are actually on a Broadway stage. You're working for you know the Gower Champions, or you're being able to dance for them, yeah. for the you know um, the the Burt Parks and the Sandy Duncans and Betsy Palmers and all those people that you've been able to work with in your career, which is just amazing to me. And those stories are what. Um, you know, th- those are what drive you, I yeah. feel like. And, but, you know, it's so right. You're talking about working in a community. I mean, thinking about being on stage with John Ray, I mean, it's such a, a reciprocal thing. I mean, it's like, you're right. I mean, no one's out there alone. It's it's it, it's just um, yeah. the camaraderie between the cast and everything. And Jan Clayton, who unfortunately died not a pretty long time ago, she, um, she was the original Julie, and she just fell and she she just took me in and she just said that her her daughter was 16 when she died in a car accident mm. it was her 16th birthday and they gave her a car for her birthday and she died that night and oh she's god. never gotten over that and she but she would just hold me she said oh my god you're so much like my daughter you look like her and everything and it was really really sad you know but um it, it was what I mean is but that you was, become family yeah you become family. exactly yeah. there's so much sharing going on and then yeah and it's a it you know what we do dancing and singing and acting what we do for our job is very different than just punching in and going to work uh, we're not doing that we are a community and we share such you know, intimate moments like that with, with, with her. And, and, and we have a, it's a family, it's your tribe. What I was talking about earlier, it it really is. Uh And it, it, you, you have to love it in a passionate way. And we, and we all do. And that's kind of a collective spirit that we have that I, I feel like when I met you, I was like, oh, this is, this is how it feels to love dance as much as, as some, as I do. And I hadn't found anybody that had that, um, you know, in my life at eight years old, <laughs> you know, I was just starting my life, but, but all of the things you're talking about, it's, it really is, um, it really is a communal thing and it is theater is a molecular thing. It's an energy thing. Yeah. And all of it in so many ways, um, just hearing these stories of you, of you describing, we've all been there. We've been in those moments. Right. And yeah. so gosh, you did so many other, there, there's Liesl in Sound of Music, Tiger Lily and Peter Pan, all these things that I know growing up watching and seeing these incredible pictures of you doing these. Yeah, well, the Sound of Music was a big turning point too, because that was my first really um, sort of lengthy job, you know, where I had money yeah. coming in every week and it was a tour. And I got that job through Eddie Blum. Again, he was the casting director of um, Carousel and and he called me in. Yeah. And, and the other thing, the other funny story about that is, so I, of course, passed a dance audition and they loved my reading and I sang the song. Uh, I had been studying voice a little by then, <clears throat> but, um, but uh, so I, 
he he just said, oh, she, everybody was thrilled with my performance. So I get to Philadelphia. The show was in Philadelphia. And I'm joining the show in Philadelphia, which is great. My hometown, you know. Oh, my God. So yes. that, then I was going on, on the tour after that. And um, <clears throat> I get there and the stage manager looks at me and says, oh, my God. You're so short. He <laughs> he brings me out and stands me because you know you know, <clears throat> excuse me. In the sound of music, how the kids all come up and they line up in, in a straight in a straight line and yes. they come out and say their names. So Liesl's at the end, and then it goes down like a diagonal that goes down to the youngest one. Well, my the, the girl next to me towered over me, and they put two inch lips on me. And here, so this this line goes me, and then the next one was tall, and then it goes down from her. And so anyway, what? And all the kids who had been in the show way too long, they were all growing like weeds, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so they were all shrinking down because they're scared of losing their job. But what happened was, I was under one of the play contracts, and they couldn't fire me. So they um, they fired three of the kids. Oh God! <laughs> the, the, the next three, and then, and the, but there was like two weeks' notice, so I mean, it, we kind of overlapped just for a little bit while I was learning the show and blah blah blah. But anyway, the younger ones moved up to the next bigger roles, and then they hired these teeny teeny little ones. Like by the time you got down to the five-year-old, you know. So the youngest one, I don't know if I told you this story. The youngest one was five years old, Dawn. Oh my gosh. And she was the cutest, smartest thing you ever saw. I mean, if you came off stage and said, you didn't say that line right. You know, I mean, she she knew everybody's line. She knew everything that was going on. So, um, <clears throat> but she was, and she was adorable. So the first night she goes in, we, uh, she's five years old. So we're standing in our line and I, and, and then I go, Lisa, I'll step back and then Friedrich and they step back and they step out, step back, it's all the way down the line. And then Maria picks up the guitar and we all kind of move around into this sort of semicircle and listen to her play. And I looked, I just happened to glance over to where Dawn was standing and there was a little puddle <gasps> on the canvas. And I thought, oh, that poor kid. Yeah. She was terrified. So oh, anyway, no. and of course those kids, they they just let her have. They were bullying. They were they were teasing and everything. And she looked up and then she said, "The roof must have leaked." <laughs> <laughs> Even at five years old, she knew how to cover oh, that. <laughs> she was covered. Yeah, I mean, it was hilarious. So that's amazing. I that's know. amazing. And that you know that. That role for you, like you said, was your first, was that your first real time starring in a role and being, and, and singing um, a solo or singing it? It's yes. a duet really, but, but yeah, it was really yeah. a, your first time taking stage as a role. In a Broadway type production. Yeah, it was. It, yeah. So, um, and we played all over in these huge, wonderful theaters. Um, yes, it was a huge role. I mean, and, and you don't think of it as being that big, but all I can tell you is I was just off stage, change classroom right back on yeah, <laughs> through the absolutely. whole through the whole show, and I loved it. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I did. I I left before the uh, when um, I was out. In, we were out about I don't know five months or so, and we wound up in Toronto, and that happened to be November twenty third, nineteen sixty three, when <clears throat> President Kennedy was assassinated. And oh my God. I remember being in a in a department store, ordering. Rouge, getting some rouge. <clears throat> and the lady said, Oh my God, he's dead. I said, What are you talking about? He said, The president. I said, What who what president? And she said, Kennedy. And I said, No, no, that's not true. Don't say such things. You know, I couldn't yeah. believe it. So I rushed home and they canceled the performance that one night, but we did finish the weekend. <clears throat> wow. And then that's a- 
to be, yeah, to, I'm sure to be, you know, in Toronto, not even be in oh, the United I, States. I, yes, I just, I just wanted to be home. I wanted to be in the United States so badly. It was this overwhelming patriotism that came over me, you know, and yeah. I think we all felt that way, but we had to continue. Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. And I, the only thing I can compare that to is being not in New York City when 9-11 hit and, and it's oh. not at all the same, but it is, it is that feeling of being tethered to yeah. your city or your country. Where were and you? During I was in Maine. I was on oh. vacation for the weekend oh. and I decided to drive home that Tuesday morning for oh my, my show that night. And obviously we never had a show that night oh. and I never got back into the city. Um, but that, that, you know, as a performer to have something tragic happen in the world. Yeah you, you get a, 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 you know, sometimes you get a moment off, um, to reflect, but then you have to go right back on stage. Like how, how did that feel? It was very, I'll tell you, Mary, I remember it was really hard to do the show because I think it was a Thursday and we went on Friday night and I can't remember now what day of the week, but anyway, the next day, I mean, you just had to suck it up. And of course, as this happened to me, I remember going on stage doing two for the seesaw um, and doing, uh, which was a huge role, when something personally really, tra- really terrible happened to me, and I was in, in tears up until five minutes before, and I went on stage and did the best performance I've ever done. So yeah. what I'm saying is, we have this uh, this switch that goes off in us. I think that when you're on stage, you're in the world of the play, and mm-hmm. uh, that nothing else exists. So, and it takes you away as well as the people in oh, the audience. Yeah. So whatever's going on with them, it is really like it's a moment where whether you have personal tragedy going on, you have to find a way to either channel it through your show or, you know, have it be a, a therapeutic and, t- and take you away from the moment. Um, it's something that absolutely uh, changes you. And it, and it is a switch that I don't think anybody else in, in um, you know, in, in in what they do for a living has to necessarily do. I mean, I don't know, maybe that that's sounding, you know, like we're like, we're the only people who have to shut off that part of us. But yeah. it's, it's, um, it's definitely difficult. But we, we are the only people that actually step into a different world. You know, yeah. when we're out yeah. there. I mean, I think because even if you're working in politics or law or whatever, you're still in the in the reality of it. We actually step into a different reality when we're yeah. out there. And the, the the only trouble with it is reality comes back as soon as you leave the stage. <laughs> exactly. That's the bad part. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, you've, you've had so many, so many wonderful jobs, you know, touring the country and doing regional. And I know that you had one or one week where you were in a Broadway show and that was soon after um, this job. So you must've come off tour and auditioned and. Oh yeah. That was, that was what a little was that like? later. What, what? That was the musical. Um, uh, ba- uh, it was called the yearling based mm-hmm. on the book. And there, there, there were, it was about this guy and his, this kid and his fawn and all these things happened. But um, uh there were we had so many animals in that show we had full-grown deer we had dogs we had crows we had I mean you walked into the Alvin theater and all these crates were lined up by the stage (laughs) it was hilarious but anyway yeah that was uh that was oh god we were gonna be it was the new My Fair Lady we all sat in that first rehearsal and crying it was so beautiful the Barbara Streisand had already recorded five of the songs from the show. 
they were already oh, wow. out and, and, and well known. I'm all smiles. And why did I choose you? And I mean, just, you probably don't know that, but they were, they were popular at the time. Yeah. So they, they were in it. And, and the, the book was written by, uh, okay, who wrote the book now? But the producer was Lori Noto, who was the original producer of the Fantastics. Now, if somebody yeah. knows about long runs, it's Lori Noto. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. And we had, uh, see, so David, David Wayne was in it, David Hartman, uh, Carmen Alvarez, Carmen Matthews, yeah. um, and a man that I fell madly in love with for my whole life <laughs> was played the played the, the the real mean guy, and yeah. So and I was the uh, the the Jody's girlfriend. I was the thirteen year old. Um, I was supposed to be thirteen. I was uh, twenty two at the time. <clears throat> yeah, but to have your to have that be it sounds like the most amazing. Broadway debut. Oh, and it, it was it was just it was just the most beautiful show. So we would get out of town, and all kinds of things started happening. The choreographers fire, you know, things. There are problems, problems, problems. And all I know is, and we thought we were in this big hit show, you know, as yeah. one does. So anyway, um, where was I? Oh, so oh, we got to Philadelphia, and uh, this was after we'd been to Connecticut and several other tryouts, and. Uh, my parents came backstage and they said, Lois, this is the most boring thing we've ever seen in our lives. Oh my God. So I got the picture that it probably was not going to fly. It was really long. It was way too long. And even though we had kids and animals and dance and mules and and, and beautiful songs, apparently oh, the music was really music. great. And a star, David Wayne was a big star then. And uh, yes, yeah, so we got to New York and uh, we, we ran one week. Yeah. This is a story of so many Broadway shows. And this is I why know. nobody really knows what's going to work. Know. It's, 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 you know, having been in the business so many years in terms of theater and seeing these incredible shows that, that never make it to Broadway or they make it to Broadway for a week. Yeah. There is no, it doesn't, it's baffling sometimes. Yeah, it is. I remember there was, there was a show called Royal Flush. Did you ever hear that? No, it was well. They, for some reason, they called me up to Canada to look at it, or, or maybe it was New York, somewhere upstate, somewhere north. I remember going because they were wanted me to take over as a choreographer. I just started choreographing at the time, and I took one look at the, 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 the There was a, a toilet there that had to do with fl fl flushing, and the king would sit on the toilet. I mean, it was it was so bad. <laughs> that I just said I would love to choreograph a Broadway show, but I don't think I don't have any ideas for this. <laughs> I mean, it was like I couldn't wait to get out of town. So I mean, and people believed in it. You know what I mean? Obviously, put money in it. And there's you know. so many of those, though. It's it's it is it is a part of the business. But I mean, was that something that you know you're 22 at the time? Was it devastating for you? Was it? I mean, I imagine it was. But was oh, it yeah. something that derailed you? Well, it was very disappointing because uh, I think we ran for two weeks, yeah, because our closing notice went up the opening night. <clears throat> so oh it was like two God. weeks. So, and it was right before Christmas. And so yeah. it was it was hard. It was really hard because of the money. Luckily, we made some good money out of town, but, and I was really great at saving money. <laughs> yeah. But, and I mean, you, and, and you also, you, you had been, you'd been, training at the neighborhood playhouse i'm sure at this point i mean when did that started like you yeah. you definitely rounded rounded out your triple threatness oh, and had I've, been that, you know doing all that meredith that's what changed my life yeah. i mean i think i was 23 um 
I, I had just come off of some tour. Maybe, maybe it was the sound. I'm not sure what it was. I, I had just come off of something, I remember. And I, and I said, oh, I know what it was. It was the yearling. Because the reason was because the director um, was this wonderful guy. Um, Lloyd, Lloyd Richards, his name was. He had directed A Raisin in the Sun originally. That was another thing. Oh we gosh. had this great director. And he was fired out of town, too. But anyway, he, he kind of had a crush on me or something. I don't, he kept... He, he, maybe he was just being very nice, but I was afraid of that. And so anyway, he called me. He wanted me to come to his acting class. And I said, well, no, you know, I really, I said, well, let me, you should really be taking acting. You do so great. And he was on the phone with me and I was really scared of going to his class. So, but I thought, you know what? Um, and in the meantime, Bob Duvall had come into my life um, and come in and out of my life. But he was always talking about Sandy Meisner. And I always thought, well, if I ever study acting, I'm going to go to Sandy Meisner. So, <clears throat> Anyway, I um, I sat in on one one class of Sandy Meisner's and said, uh, "No, I'm going to go to Win Hanman, who was his, his like um, the teacher that he had groomed. He had yeah. Win had trained with Sandy for all these, but Sandy was like really mean, <laughs> I mean yes. especially to women. <laughs> and I was not. I did not have this. Not not that Win Hanman was a walk in the park. Trust me." But um, I got it. But if into, you had a choice, yeah, right. I walked into his class. It's funny because he taught like an, it was either 52nd or 53rd or 54th between uh, <clears throat> Broadway and 6th Avenue, between 6th mm -hmm. and 7th, in a little walk-up thing. And Wynn was in the front uh, and Sandy was in the back. So the two classes were always going on at the same time. So I was seeing all those people coming in and out of class all the time. But anyway, when I walked into that classroom the first day, I knew that they all knew something that I didn't know. And I yeah. better learn it. <laughs> and I, frankly, was the last person to get what they what he had to teach. But when I finally did, it was like you can never go back. It's like an enlightenment, you know. <laughs> you just yeah. you can never go back to what you were doing before. So that was, and I was in and out of those classes for years. I think when when I got Peter Pan, I had to drop out and then come back. So we were all Sandy and I were both coming in, and Sandy was in that class. And we were both in and out whenever we. Yeah, were. Sandy Duncan that you that you did yeah. Peter Pan with. Yeah. On the road, yeah. and you were Tiger Lily, yeah. which is another picture I remember seeing, <laughs> you know, at, at Performing Arts Academy when I was taking class with you. But the way that you were trained in acting is what you know you transferred that on to me and and so many other people. But that that training that you got at the Neighborhood Playhouse, oh, just like the Metropolitan Ballet and 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 all of the Chiquetti training, all of that, you know translated to me and I'm just you know it, it 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 is so enlightening is the word you use but it's so enlightening to hear how that happened to you because then it then yeah. the ripple effect well I well I totally knew that you knew that training when you did your first reading for a chorus line for me yeah. and I just said oh my god I don't have anything to tell you she's just got it you know um but I yeah you know, how how did going from the yearling going from doing all these tours and then when was the moment that you um that you felt like you know this is maybe it's time to leave New York I never felt it was time to leave New York yeah the only reason I did was uh well I had married Bob and he was a he was a pediatric neurologist um, and he was finishing up his neurology training. He had another year and a half to go when I first met him. So we got married in New York and um, <clears throat> he had 
he was on the, what's called the Berry Plan in those days. He had to do his military commitment. There was still a draft in those days, uh, and he had to, he had two years of a commitment where he had to pay back because he was on a what's called the Berry Plan, which was postponed your military commitment until after you finish your medical training. That was how that worked. So they okay. allowed him to go through all of his, his pediatric residency, his neurology residency, but he still had this two years. And he was able to pull strings so he didn't go to Minot, North Dakota. Uh, he was <laughs> able to pull strings and he got stationed at Travis Air Force Base. So that's how come we came to California in the beginning. And I was also pregnant when we moved to California. So I, first of all, I knew that he did not like New York medically yeah. and he loved California, went to Stanford. And so, and then when I got pregnant and had a baby, I thought I was just going to be a mother. I mean, I didn't know I was going to go back to work, you know, how it is when you're all, you know, ensconced yeah, in that. It does shift you. And I know that we, you know, we've had these conversations in, in both being mothers and being dancers and having that duality mm -hmm. in your spirit. Mm -hmm. But when you do have a baby it shifts in a way it of does like shift yeah it's the greatest thing i'm gonna do now yeah now that passion is changing yeah and, this, this is my mission yeah exactly yes exactly so anyway but then it came to the down to the point where i don't want to raise a child in new york you know so yeah we another of, similarity you and i have Lois. Yeah, yeah so i mean because my girlfriend margie you remember margie marjorie she, beto yeah, yeah she, amazing marjorie beto yeah the amazing marjorie she she raised pam in New York, it, it mm -hmm. you know she lived in the same apartment on Ninety Fifth Street and um, yeah, in West End Avenue and um, but you know she would tell me stories that Pam came home you know they'd hang out on the corner and in New York hanging out on the corner is a lot different from you know yeah <laughs> and 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 families do it all the time I know Georgie your your yeah. uh, your oh my friend God, of a long time three kids. Have amazing kids yeah. and, and and people raise amazing kids yes. and have an amazing family in New York, but it's it is a personal thing. Mm -hmm. If you know that it's not what you want, then mm -hmm. then it's time to, you know, leave New York. But you're always tethered to New York. Yes, to completely. But the thing about it is when I was in New York, I would have stayed there and raised my kids. It's after I moved to California and I thought, oh my God, we have space here. We have a gar a yard and you know what I mean? A dog. Yeah, and, a and lawn it's, and all like, of it. Yeah. So it's like I want to raise my kids out here. It's kind of how it went. And then I didn't I took really took off five years because um Lord, when paul was born he's two years younger than Lori, and when he was three is when i said okay i'm ready so i was actually gone for five years and i i had stayed relatively in shape but i did get back to dancing then and yeah. um i mean i spent my entire life getting back into shape <laughs> i'm <laughs> always getting back into shape you're Most... always getting back into shape yes <laughs> so, you probably understand that but i've never i've never known you not to be in shape but uh, oh, in well. shape to a dancer is different than you know the normal normal person I guess that's not the not the right word to say but you know what I mean as an athlete you're constantly feeling like you're you're getting back to your center yeah exactly <laughs> and I feel I feel like I'm in shape now because I've been after I've been dedicated to it since my last and fourth orthopedic surgery you are years. in shape I you are you are my <laughs> idol in terms of that but yes in terms of like getting it you know having a family moving out to California you know, you're always tethered to New York, but you you started a whole new chapter and a whole new life with with teaching and I'm not even but you know, you, I'm I'm even not talking about TV commercials, the the hundreds of TV commercials that you've done and 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 doing cabaret in San Francisco uh -huh. and and all of those things that you still 
you still were able to to do both, really. Yeah, well, I was very lucky. I had a very understanding husband, as you do. But also, we were set up financially and also physically set up in our house in Alamo with like a, uh, it was designed originally as a, um, as an in-laws residence. Like in other words, it was like a big V at one end of the V there was a bedroom and separate bathroom and had a separate entrance to the back. So it was like for in-laws, but I was able to hire au pairs to come in from Europe. And so if a phone call, so I had someone there and Mm -hmm. if a call came in and I had to be somewhere in an hour and a half, I could just walk out the door. So that's, yeah, that's which, which are not a lot of parents who are I, artists have that. I know. I was blessed with that. And that's something I'm sure you, you've you been dealing with childcare your whole life. Yes. But but I think that that, that is is such a um, a wonderful thing for you as a as an artist and a mother, because I know a lot of a lot of people who are myself included, who are kind of in this dual yeah. place of wanting to be a mom, but also needing to feed that that passion yeah. as well. And then feeling guilty about leaving your kid or not being there and all those things that you, as, as we've talked about many times, that were able to do. I was blessed. There's no question about it. I mean, it was, yeah. it was, yeah. I mean, I had my issues, of course, but I mean, I was, I never had to worry about that. I mean, this is like what Elizabeth Warren is fighting for, you know? Yeah. She just, I mean, she goes, she lived through that nightmare and she said, my daughter's living, and if we're not careful, my granddaughter's going to be living through that, you know? And yeah. it's so true because my granddaughter is, is, is having, you know, a lot of, it's expensive to get childcare. So anyway, I did not have that problem and I know you have, and I, I just scratch my head as figuring out how you can figure out how to make it all work. Yeah, you have to kind of figure out how to spin all plates at once. But yeah. being a being a mother and an artist and and not having childcare being a you know a, a thing in this country and all all of what you had said, it it is a gift. But it's also I think I think for for you with that going back to that insatiable ambition and that passion that doesn't really go away completely. It just shifts. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. When you become a mother. So yeah. that the fact that you were able to feed that passion still, I think is, you know, so wonderful. And it, it was then translated to someone like myself, who was an artist who, if, if that had never happened to you, if you had never moved to Northern California, mm-hmm. I don't know that I would have had, that's the ripple effect, Lois, that mm-hmm. is, is mm-hmm. so poignant in my life that I'm so thankful for. And I feel like it's such a gift that you moved to where I was because you were the only person that I had that really understood me. Well, thank you. I mean, there would have probably been somebody else, but uh, I'm really glad that that worked out that <laughs> and way. And that's too. the humble part of you. That it is, it, it, it really is, you know, I don't know that there would have been anyone else, but you were the person. I don't know and- whether your arms would have been so beautiful, but... <laughs> But that picture in White Christmas of me uh, is really, it's uh, all you. It's uh, that that compound effect of all those plies and all those porta bras you you taught me at the Performing Arts Academy. (laughs) So you you did take time off to be a mom. You then went and did commercials and and did, you know, um, fabulous shows. A lot of industrials. A lot of industrials, which I don't even know if those exist anymore. But I know. Lot of, I, I was, th- that was the, the most work I had was in industrials when my kids were little. Yeah. I was the perfect bank teller or, you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I did a lot of industrials. All of it. And and I remember when you opened up the Performing Arts Academy, mm-hmm. uh, you had really just opened it up when I when I arrived there. That um, was 1984. 
1984. So, you know, how did that come about and how was that, how, okay. how did you decide to do that? <laughs> That's a good question, Mary, because I, I was never going to teach. I never had any interest in teaching. There's and, another, and, there's another um, similarity you and I have. Yeah, I never, yeah. I, I'm the same way. Yeah. Well, what happened was we, we were, let's see, I was at the point where I was doing a fair amount of work in, in San Francisco Bay area, but mm -hmm. I wanted a piece of LA too, you know? So yeah. a lot, some of my friends would go down to LA for four days a week and then come back for three days a week and manage their families that way, which was very unappealing to me, but I wanted the work, you know? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, I always had the, the good fortune of not needing to work financially since I married Bob, you know? So, but I, but that's, that's not it. It's I, 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 I just wanted to work and get, you know, get a series or something like that. Yeah. So, uh, I was, I remember Bob and I and the kids were on a trip somewhere on a car trip and we were talking about it. And I, and I said, you know, I'm not really thrilled about you going to New York four days a week. And I said, well, not really. And he said, why don't we do something like, an academy where you can bring all of your gifts and training together in one place. Yeah. And we started talking about that. And as I said, I never ever thought I was going to teach, but all of a sudden after that happened, there was a major shift in my life after we opened because not only in the ballet as a ballet teacher and I was teaching adults, I didn't have that many adults, but that was my passion. <clears throat> And then I, when I was teaching acting, I had the first acting class in the area that was a real acting class. Oh and, my gosh. Yes. And I found out, oh my God, this, this is me. I, because I was saying, oh, what if I can't think of anything to say? What if I, what if, what if, what if, you know, and Wynne was like sitting on my shoulder the entire time I taught my first class <laughs> and every class, you know. Leave yourself alone, Lois. Leave yourself alone. <laughs> it's yeah. so funny because it just seems like such a natural shift for you. Like I, it, whether or not you were resisting it or or not, like it is something that is is you were meant to do it. You were absolutely. Yeah, I really was, and of course, then I became the head honcho, and um, you know, we had yes, you know, quite a few people working for us at one time, and then Mitch Elliott came, yeah, came over. He said, well. I think the first thing was he hired me to direct Cinderella, which was your first show. My first show, which and, was which was also Rogers and Hammerstein. Right, so you know, right. you and I have that that also connected. Oh yeah, R and H, and it was also my first directing job. So I remember yeah. I lobbied for that. I because Rich, Rich was saying, well, because I, I sent him a letter or something, and and uh, and I I said, you know, I'm interested in directing. I went blah blah blah, and he called me in. I mean, that doesn't usually happen, but he called me in and he said, well, I see all these credits here. I could see maybe choreography, but not you never directed it. I said, listen. I have this unique combination of skills. I'm an acting teacher. I know how to talk to actors. I can stage them. I have a choreographer. I have this vision. And I went, oh, I said, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> <laughs> so he backed up. He said, okay, how about Cinderella? I said, fine. So that was my first show. And um, yeah. And also amazingly perfect. Absolutely what you've meant to be, been meant to do oh, is uh, directing, choreograph. I have to tell you. I walked on that stage and I knew this was what I was meant to do. I knew it. I just, I had that control. I had that, the sense of ownership somehow. 
I yeah. I knew that I could do this. And uh, yeah, but it was really that first day I walked on stage in Cinderella and I said, oh my God. And everyone's looking to you for what do I do next? You know, it was like, yeah. I can do this. I know how and to- having worked, and what's amazing, Lois, is that having worked in this business for so long and in live theater with so many different people who are directors and, or as, you know, not to name any names or people who aren't directors, but are, are have been giving this role. Yeah. You were my first example of a director, choreographer, woman standing on that stage with such power and such direction and and definitive nature. And no way did you ever waver. I never, it was like you were born to do it. And I thought, well, that's, this is the bar, everybody. So even in my professional career in New York, all the way to the top level, I've had people that have not reached that bar that I had, that I was shown by you when I was 13 years old. So it was what you were meant to do. It's why you have, you know, seven Bay Area circle critic critic circle awards from the Bay Area. I mean, you have six of those are for directing and choreographing. That's for a reason because you just excel at it. And it's amazing to me. Well, I, I, I really felt that this was something that I know how to do. So, so when it, when it, the reason that Playhouse West, I know you didn't get, you didn't ask me this, but um, it's okay. Can, can I tell you this anyway? <laughs> yeah, of course. Okay. Performing so, Arts Academy was the start, yeah, and then Performing after Arts Academy, after so many years, that's right. That was go, that was going for a couple of years. Oh, and I saw a notice in some <clears throat> newspaper or something, kind of like we didn't have backstage in California, but, uh, or in the Bay Area. But anyway, they said they were looking for some directors and, um, <clears throat> and people to, they were starting a new theater company in somewhere like Fremont or something. And they yeah. were looking for professional people and they wanted uh, directors and, and, and artistic directors and shop people and carpenters and designers. And so they're starting this brand new theater. So I walk in saying, oh my God, you know, I'll be an artistic director or one of the directors or something. And this is, um, I had, had I, yeah, I had already directed. I had not, then after Cinderella and Little Me, which you were also in, aren't you? Yes. Uh, then <laughs> yes. I, I directed five other shows, five or six other shows at the California Conservatory Theater and they were plays. So, I mean, I had a good, uh, they were, <laughs> they, I was really, really thrilled. So I was doing plays and musicals. Yeah. And uh, I love doing plays even more. <laughs> yeah. And that, and that lends itself also to your, your acting training. Yeah, into, of course. Oh, of course. Yeah. I'm and I, and I, I yeah. you know, my, my first Broadway show was a play. And I remember when oh. I got it, I thought, oh my God, this is, this is, this is a nod to Lois because the acting that I've done in, in people seeing me as a dancer, like, like Rich Elliott, when you were saying you were trying to, you know, the, he sees you as a choreographer because mm. you're a dancer. So mm. you're like, no, I'm a director. Mm. I am a, I am, mm-hmm. I, I'm all things. And that, that is, you know, it's storytelling. It's yeah. really no different. Yeah. It's just it's, one has music and one doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I see the it. Acting training is, I mean, that, that, that guided me through my life. But anyway, so let me tell you, so I, I'm down in Fremont uh, at this interview and I go in with my professional credits and everything. And I'm, I'm talking to these people as, Oh, I want to be in show business. And Oh, well, this sounds like fun. I think I'll try this. Out. And obviously there's, I was the only professional there. So I got home and I said, Oh, okay, well, I guess I'm going to go work in Fremont. So I got this letter saying, thank you very much for your, for your uh, interview. Uh, we decided not to use it right now, but try us again in another year. I thought, wait, I, are you kidding me? They're, they don't want me? And I looked in the mirror that it was like a February. It was a day in February. I looked at it and I said, well, screw them. I said, you know what? I'm going to make my own theater. 
where I yeah. can uh, have the artistic controls. And I think, and I think, and where, where, where am I going? To, how would I ever run a theater? How? And I said, wait a minute, duh, I'm already there. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, I'm in this space in Walnut Creek teaching acting. And what if we put a few fresnels up? So anyway, I had to talk to my acting class a couple of nights later. I said, what do you, and they were, go for it, girl, go for it. And all of this army of acting students came and they really helped me put this show together. And I opened, that was February, I opened in the middle of June with After the Fall. In a th- the the space was turned into a theater, and it yeah. all has to happen with twenty five hundred dollars from my savings account. Oh my god! And that is that is the spirit I'm talking about. Everybody that's listening, that's literally you to the <laughs> T. If I if no one's going to hire me, I'm going to do it myself, yes. and I'm going to get it done in less than you know <laughs> less than a year. Just. just get it done. And that's what that that is what it takes to to make it in this business. I feel like that you you have to have that drive and you have to have the, you know, the to do list of like, what do I need to do okay, and, to and, get this done? And you have to just do it. You know, and you have you to just do and it. I, and and I have God. no idea if I can keep this theater afloat. You know, like uh, like uh, Pat Craig came and did an interview, interviewed me, and he said, "Well, you know, what are you going to do after this? You got a season here, but what's going to happen?" I I have no idea. You know, if we're, if we're successful, <laughs> no. we keep then going. that's every every artistic director of of so many theaters in this country. It's like, what are you going to do? I don't know. I'm going to just this is what I do, mm-hmm. and I'm going to figure it out. And um, you exactly, did you figure it out on the fly. I mean, all I was trying yeah. to do was get my desk cleaned off every day you know yeah exactly because I did everything Playhouse West for 13 years yes but I in the beginning I did everything I wrote every paycheck I dealt with equity I did the casting the directing I I did everything in the theater and at the same time Lois you're an amazing mother I mean this is where the balancing act of life you have excelled at I mean because you in 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 the entirety have directed 75 productions I think is what I read I, th- I think more than that probably more than that I yeah. mean it's amazing to me that that you have done so much in in and been able to do it so gracefully well let's see so 1995 we opened Playhouse so Paul my youngest would have been uh 73 83 18 yeah he was just getting ready to go off to college yeah, so, and I had left for New York uh, yes. in, in 1994 was when I started in New York. And you helped right. me with my audition for my, oh, you I know, did? The, the school. I <laughs> Yes, I remember there's actually videos somewhere, I will find it, of you and I in Playhouse West space rehearsing Broadway Baby, which was my audition song. Oh, and oh. you broke down the song with me. You you wiped away the music. We broke down the lyrics of the song and, you know, we, we worked on the acting, we worked on my monologue, we worked, you packaged oh. everything together for me, for my audition. And, it, you know, it's just, I, I say that to the audience, because I don't know that people realize how much you have, like, you, you have literally had the, gave, given me all of the tools to do what I do. But you also were, were the head of the theater, a mom juggling all these things, but still gave me the time and attention to mold me for me going off to New York City. Oh, I just I, I just love coaching. I love getting people ready for auditions. I, I do that still privately sometimes, but um I, I love that because you can see the growth and the change, you know, even in an hour's time. It's it's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. You really you really have and and I'm just one of many. I know that there are other 
uh, professional actresses and dancers and, and singers who have come through Playhouse West and Performing Arts Academy. And Not like you. <laughs> well, thank you. I I know that there has been, um, I I know that that there have been so many people that you have uh, affected in in that way, and whether they've gone on to be as professional as maybe myself or or, but they they have you have affected them because of your teaching and your directing and choreo, you know, choreography and and all of it. You've touched so many people. I really do believe that. So many artists. Thank you. And you've given them, um, you know, you gave them a home to, to thrive. And, and then in turn, it had you thrive because not only did you run the theater, but you performed in the theater. Yes, you, you I still did. performed up until, I mean, you've still been performing most of your entire life, really. You've never stopped. Um, yeah, I did. I did. I, I, I certainly didn't want it to be a theater about me and my performances. So I think I, in the 13 years, I think I did four, I acted in four shows, five at the most. Yeah. Um, and then in 2008, when we were getting ready to close, I did, we did a little celebration in Playhouse West and I actually did all that jazz, <laughs> yes, which was, yes. I was way too old to do that, but I did it anyway. And um, yeah, so I haven't been, performed much since then, but um but yeah, I did. I mean, I always thought I was the first and foremost a performer. Yeah, but, I mean, that's why, you know, you you won the Bay Area Critics Circle Award for Best Actress. That was for... I did. That, that play. Yes. That was a oh, wonderful play. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's it really is something um, that whether, you know, it, it and you and I talked about this when we, and I just recently saw you and we had, you know, we, we hung out and yeah. we're talking. It's the spirit in you doesn't really go away. It just kind of, you know, I, I constantly feel sometimes even when I'm around you, I feel, I feel like that 13 year old doing Cinderella with you. I feel like that, that eight year old, eight and nine year old with, you know, especially when I'm teaching now, I'm, I'm, I'm going around and I'm telling the kids to, you know, water droplet from your shoulder down to your, down to your finger. So and I'm lift probably your, sitting on your shoulder too. You are sitting on my shoulders. That's exactly what I'm trying to that's say. Funny. And, and, and it's been passed down. And I think that that's that's what this industry is about. That's what this yeah, life is about, yeah. really. To pass it on. Is to pass it on. Well, you are passing it on to so many people with just your story and, and everybody that's listening and giving inspiration. I know that uh, every time I get a chance to, to talk with you and be around you, you inspire me. And you, I mean, I this could be uh, a part two, could be me even more praising you and telling you all oh, the little no, moments no. <laughs> moments that you have touched my life as a dancer and a singer and an actress and a mother. So thank you just from the bottom of my heart, Lois. I, oh, I love I, you so it's much. It's my pleasure. It's always been my pleasure. And thank you for being on this podcast. I, um, it, it means the world to me. It really is a, it's a, this is your life moment for me. Uh-huh. But also for you, and I really, uh, having your story told is just so important to me. So thank you. Well, thank you for having me. I love you. Thank you. I love you too. Take care. To support this podcast, make a donation or become a sponsor, visit confessionsofanactress.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram for our live Talkin' Tuesday series with former podcast guests. And check in every Wednesday for our bonus episodes, 
Wellness Wednesdays. And if you're feeling super generous, head over to Apple Podcasts on iTunes and give us a five-star review. I really appreciate it. And remember, have vision for what you want, but be grateful for where you are every single day. 